Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. My name is Steve Surly. My partner is Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you a conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, especially St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a lot of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. Yes, they do. Daiwa Reels. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 everywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can get it at our website, wefishasa.com. We Fish ASA is recorded in Chicago. And it is produced in Land Lakes, Florida, by our executive producer, Mr. Brad Nearman. Hi, Brad. How you doing? We thank you for everything. On today's show, we welcome, first of all, a very important guest. First time you'll ever hear this guest on any radio show or podcast in the USA. Making his audio debut is Maximus Nearman. Hey, Maximus, let's hear what you sound like. Yeah, that's him. Maximus Nearman. He's just born a week ago to our executive producer, Brad Nearman, and his lovely wife, Olivia. Brad and Olivia, you have a beautiful, beautiful child there. I hope he has a wonderful life. You guys are going to be great parents. We congratulate you, and we wish you the best. Also joining us today are Dan Johnston from St. Croix. We are going to visit with Elton Jones, Jr., this guy just fished the Major League Fishing Heavy Hitters and got big fish of the day on the championship round and the knockout round. And one of the early days, he won $165,000 for catching big fish of the day three times. That is absolutely incredible, Elton Jones Jr. And I'm gonna spend some time with a guy I really like. He is Ot Defoe, great fisherman from Tennessee, just won the Heavy Hitters. Uh, many, many career victories. This guy is just a, a great fisherman and a great guy. Look forward to talking to Ot Defoe. But first, let me swing it over to Dave Kranz, who's going to talk to Dan Johnson. Take it away, David. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back, Dan Johnston. Hey, Dave. How are you? Oh, I am doing good. You know, St. Croix's got a lot of things going on right now. Uh, busy, busy times. Why don't you, uh, we'll give the listeners a little update as to what's going on and how it benefits them. Yeah, we do. It's, it's really been a blur. I think I've been out four out of five weeks, and that includes weekends. And it's it, it's been it's been certainly busy, but it's been fun. But, you know, from, from a high level, we've been at... Uh, big dealer events uh and then we've also been you know i was at the bassmaster classic and then the major league fishing redcrest which we did an episode on um and now i'm up at a at a, a saltwater retailer summit up here in st croix which is which has really been cool and a learning process for uh the the retailers and also us and really everything benefits the angler everything we do we've talked about that before as well but now we're starting to plan for customer appreciation day which is a super cool event that we would invite anybody to it's at our home in park falls wisconsin uh right around father's day weekend um and then we have icast coming up so there's a lot going on but it's fun to plan and and we, we learn a lot along the way and it's just been really uh it's been really good yeah these events are are, are great things uh for people to attend and uh and and you know you just can learn so much about products and uh and how to use them and, and, and that type of thing. I know your customer appreciation day, uh, the customers I've had come from Northern Illinois that go there, come back and they just rave about, um, you know, what they learned and who they got to talk to and uh, all good things, aren't they? That event is so fun. Uh, you know, last year it was really fun. They, we built a casting pond 
on our site. It's granted, it's it's real shallow. It was just made, but kind of like a wood stud frame and plastic drop, and we filled it with water. And we were doing fly casting instruction, and also having people throw spinning rods and bait casters, and really at all levels, but certainly targeted towards the beginner because there's one thing to Dave, as you would attest, it's one thing to explain to somebody how to throw a bait caster. It's a whole lot better when you actually show them and have them do it. You know, so things like that. When we have seminars that we do and um there's going to be live music and we grill food and it's just I, this is the kind of thing where you know park falls is kind of in the middle of nowhere but if you got a couple days you want to go catch a bunch of nice smallmouth and come visit us at, 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 the, at our factory for that day we'd, we'd certainly welcome you yeah and that's the perfect time of year to, to, to plan a fishing trip up that way and uh yeah beautiful beautiful country and certainly nice uh, the middle of june uh, what else do we have going on? You said we got ICAST, you got dealer summits. Uh, how do those dealer summits benefit the consumer? Well, it benefit the consumer because we get a wealth of information. You know, one thing we pride ourselves on trying to learn all the time. It's one of our core beliefs is the persistent pursuit to perfection. Are we there yet? Absolutely not. But we try to get, gain as much information as we possibly can. And, and what that does is it allows us to put better product in the market, which directly benefits the angler. Because we're talking about drag ratings and line size and saltwater corrosiveness and all these topics that we're discussing. And you got to remember, we're based in Park Falls, Wisconsin. We don't have the closest salt water we have is in our some type of food. We just don't. We you know we 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 really try to learn all the time, and we have some knowledge in that area. But to get experts up here you know it would be like bringing you up on the bass side and picking your brain and and uh and don't think something like that's not going to happen someday you know i i think that it's all no matter what the species is um no matter what the fishing application we're always trying to surround ourselves with people that do it at a high level the angler is absolutely the ultimate beneficiary Oh, absolutely, because then you have pro staffers and you have people that are out, out in the field doing these consumer shows and things like that that have been trained by St. Croix and have been given the opportunity to learn everything they can about your product. Well, exactly, and, and there's so many areas in which we really think we have a bead on something, and then we'll meet with a person or people, and they'll say, boy, you know, that's great, but there's a trend down here that because of this certain tide and, and wind directions and these certain things do this and that, that their trends drive everything for us. And we, when we do events like uh, even customer appreciation day talking talking to just the everyday angler Dave you and I've talked about being a fly on the wall at sports shows and the summits are a classic example of this where you get information stirring around and we take it back to our engineer and design and product team and every single time I can't remember an exception where we don't change course a little bit off of things we've heard from somebody somewhere yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you're doing a saltwater summit right now. So somebody comes from uh, one of the coast or the Gulf or wherever they are in the world of salt fi saltwater fishing, and they come up with uh, a need for a rod. And they, how long does it take? In most cases, say it's a it's a rod that you guys aren't making right now. How how long does it take? to make that right. Yeah, glad, yeah, I'm really glad you asked the question because it's not knee-jerk, reflexive, we throw it out there. Uh, we're, we're oftentimes two years out when we start talking about things. So that's why it's critically important to get good information on the front side of any process. So to answer your question specifically, it can be two years. We could do it quicker than that. But what we're not going to do is just throw something out there. <clears throat> excuse me, throw something out there to meet a niche. Um, we're going to we're going to go through the entire developed developmental process to make sure that it's the best it can possibly be. So it can take a while, but again, that's the whole point of doing the things that we're doing. Yeah, and and uh, I've seen you know recently. Look how many of the the lines have been redesigned and and for the better. The the products have. Uh, gotten better and I'm sure that's because there's a uh, you know using multi-materials and coming up with different uh, actions and powers that that uh, that are needed in in a specific rod uh, because the needs change because we have different baits to throw all the time so you you guys got to constantly evolve to suit what they're fishing for and how they're doing it 
well, there's no, there's a lot of moving parts to this. It, it's trend driven, but it's also driven to a large degree by regionality. That's why when you have a series and you have multiple models in it, because somewhere they're throwing 20 pound fluoro and another area they're throwing 50 pound braid for the same species. And that's the thing. It, it, that's where it really gets fun. It, it gets interactive with the people that we're talking to. But to back to the original point, that's the importance of getting accurate information and surrounding yourself i would say in anything we do anything we do out even outside of the fishing industry if we want to get really good at it surround yourself with people that are as good or better than you are and listen to them and then use your own personal skills which we have in manufacturing and designing and engineering to bring those concepts to fruition it's really not rocket science but what it does involve is humbleness and the ability to listen hear people out identify trends and then have the ability to act on it yeah absolutely uh, i have a question about the uh, uh coming up for the customer appreciation are the tours factory tours uh operating then no, it's a great question. We don't do tours that day because a lot of our factory people are helping out with the customer appreciation okay. event itself. Yep. So now we will have a ta- we will have tables laid out with the manufacturing process on it, so people can see it. We have signs and we can walk you through how rods are built, but you actually can't go back and see the actual process. But I have done that. I was up there uh, several years ago and. Uh, um, had the opportunity to be your lunchtime speaker, and and I went through the tour, and I every time I talk to a customer that's gone through it, it's it's like why would you ever buy another rod after you go through that tour when you see the attention to detail and the care and the pride from the the thirty two pairs of hands that that touch those rods uh, have, and and the other thing I was. Um, uh, happy to hear and and this is one of the reasons the quality is there with that many people it goes to their station but if something's wrong with that rod that's not perfection from the stations before or something needs to be changed or different or they can't do what they need to do on it it goes backwards doesn't it well, the, yeah, we have we have high quality control standards, and it's, again, I, and I, I credit you, Dave. You're really the one that started that 32 sets of hands statement. You called that out at that meeting. We were honored to have you up there, and we totally ran with it. And to that point, if something happens at step. 26 yes it doesn't go forward and and, or it'll make it to final inspection and then it either gets scrapped or it get you know we just totally look at it and this we determine what happened and then act on it that that, that's the beauty of hand craftsmanship these things aren't just fishing rods just don't appear especially the st croix way all the way back to the mandrel all the way through to finishing and winding there's really more than 32 stages when you factor in designing and engineering but yeah at every single step uh, it, it, it is scrutinized, and uh, again, we're, we're, our tagline is "Best Rods on Earth." But one thing we do is constantly strive to be better, and we're very humble. We know we have a long way to go. Yeah, and, and uh, we are very proud to have you as a sponsor on the uh, We Fish ASA podcast, and definitely are uh, uh, real happy to have Dan Johnston on weekly. He's a wealth of knowledge, very, very. Uh, uh, knowledgeable uh, person in the sport fishing industry and as far as rods go I don't know anybody that knows more about them than you do and uh, look forward to talking to you next week yeah Dave thanks so much for having me on as always oh no problem that was Dan Johnston I am Dave Cran. Steve Siley is remote and this segment was brought to you by St. Croix the best rods on earth the We Fish ASA podcast will be right back Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. 
Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Welcome back to the Wheatfish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. And I always like to say the guests I have on this segment have a passion for the outdoors. My next guest is Elton Jones, Jones Jr., and he definitely has a passion for the outdoors. Welcome to the program, Elton. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. It's oh, uh, awesome. Glad to have you. And uh, uh, how much are you liking the format of the heavy hitter with Major League Fishing right now? Man, I, I, I'm loving it. Uh, obviously, I, I'm loving it a lot because I, I'm biased. I had a really good week the other week in heavy hitters. But but with that, um, you know, it's really cool because it's, it's like two tournaments rolled into one. Uh, and to be able to just target specifically big bass and have it be the time of year that it happens during the spawn where where it's kind of a sight fisherman's dream day you know where you get to go big bass hunting is it's, it's so much fun it's really really cool yeah it's a, it's a very neat format uh, uh for the listeners that maybe haven't uh, paid attention to it uh, why don't you explain how it works uh, a little bit uh, how many days and 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 how you win the kind of money you just won for for catching just big bass each day yeah so uh, Heavy Hitters is a standalone specialty event. There was 32 of us competing in it. Um, and we have three rounds. The first round is the elimination round, which lasts two days. Then we have the knockout round and the championship round. So the, the, the tournament's slated like a normal event. It's a great $100,000 first place payout. Um, but, but as a specialty event, the term Heavy Hitters is talking about a home run hit on a big fish. And in the elimination round, if you catch big bass over those two days, it's $25,000. In the knockout round, if you catch big bass, it's $50,000. And on the championship round, the final day, not only is there $100,000 for first place overall, but one bite, big bass is $100,000. And um, There's not many places anywhere you can win that kind of money on one cast. Uh, and I was fortunate enough in the knockout round, I caught an 8-3. That won me fifty thousand dollars, and the championship round I caught a six-four. That won me a hundred thousand dollars, and then also got fifth place money, which which wasn't too bad as a little cherry on top. So it was a it was an incredible week. Uh, throughout the event, you've got a two-pound minimum the first couple days of the competition, and then the championship round they really want to put an emphasis on that big bass, and uh, they make it a three-pound minimum, which may not sound like much, but when you're trying to catch as many as you can, a three-pounder is a really quality fish. It's hard to come by when you're trying to catch only three-pounders or bigger. So it makes for a, for a really cool event. It's one of, of the, you know, of the pros when we talk amongst each other. It's one of our favorite events of the year. Yeah, I, I think it's a very neat event. And I, um, how did the, uh, the uh, 32 anglers qualify to get there? Yeah, so we qualify uh, throughout our regular season on the Bass Pro Tour. So we qualified for this last year. Um, and we take our one biggest fish from each event. So they all want to put he uh, heavy emphasis on that big, big fish. Um, you take one fish from each event over seven events, and you add that total up. So, for example, uh, the first event this year, I had a 4-2. The second event, I had an 8-14. I'm going to add those together and see where I shake up. And they're going to take 32 anglers, the 32 heaviest weight off of those seven bass, one from each event and they qualify for heavy hitters. You know, and it's so cool that Major League Fishing, uh, they're such a good organization to start with, but they to come up with these different ideas to throw different twists into there. And, and, and they, anybody can fish uh, Major League Fishing starting from uh, high school to college to BFLs to Toyotas, you know, and then, then you have to qualify after that. But it, it's such a great uh, proving grounds and a way for people to get into tournament fishing. Yeah, it absolutely is. You know, they've got they've got someone for for every level of the sport. You know, whether you're learning how to throw a bait caster and wanting to catch your first fish, and maybe getting into a tournament side on as a co-angler on the BFLs or in a high school event or something, and, or if you're looking to get your crack at the pros and you want to go try to qualify for the tackle warehouse pro circuit, you know, you can do that through the Toyota series. So, or you know, and then once you once you've accomplished all that, maybe even the Bass Pro Tour. Uh, 
So there, there really is the, the possibilities are endless. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's, you're having fun doing it. And a lot of other uh, anglers are having fun doing it. And uh, definitely uh, uh, General Tire was, uh, was featured this, this time because of the, you and Ott both, both uh, taking home a, a good chunk of money. Yeah, they were, they were really excited. You know, we were, we were the two general tire guys, um, that were, I don't know if we were the only two guys in the entire event, maybe. Um, but we were definitely the only two guys on the final day. And, and so, you know, obviously I would have loved to have won the overall, but if I'm not going to win it, my team partner on GT and, and I, he's an amazing dude. Uh, someone I really look up to do so. To see him, to see him win the overall was was really cool, and then for us to get to take that team picture with the general tire boat together, holding those big checks was was special. I mean, you know, for me, a young angler getting to do that with someone like Hot Defoe and kind of you know, it's it's cool. It's really cool to be associated with and, and standing next to those guys on a big stage. Absolutely, and uh, who else is keeping you uh, on the road and on the water? Let's uh, cover your sponsors because we don't ever want to forget that. Yeah, I've got a great list of sponsors. Um, you know, Mystic Lubricants—they've been with me for three years now. Um, I'm running their running their lubrication products, their oil in my uh, in my truck, my F250, my Mercury. I'm running it as my lower unit gear lube in my in my Mercury. Um, so they're keeping me on the road on long days and, and on the water, uh, just keeping everything reliable. I am uh, throwing Kistler rods, Kistler reels. I actually just spooled up a couple brand new helium threes before we got on the phone here getting ready for lake of the ozarks uh phoenix boats mercury mercury motors garmin um i could not have won lake fork earlier this year without live scope and um you know uh, uh g crack baits running some cool new jdm products uh, we got some cool stuff coming out of icast i cannot wait to show everyone some stuff that's kind of under wraps still and uh you know pro guy batteries they've they've been great for me it's my first year running them I'm looking forward to actually getting to go meet the owners and, and everyone with them up there. They're not far. They're in Springfield, Missouri, so where we're going to be. So I can't wait to go tour their facility. And, um, yeah, I've got, I've got a great list of sponsors. I apologize if I forgot anybody, but um, <laughs> I did. They keep me. They keep me going all day long. Yeah, you definitely got a great, great list. Now you got Ozarks coming up. And uh, how are you feeling about that one and the rest of the season? I'm feeling really excited about Lake of the Ozarks. You know, it, this should be um, – from a fishing perspective, our best term of the year when it comes to numbers of just quality fish, you know, it may not have the big fish that we've seen at Lake Fork and Palestine, but just sheer numbers of two to four pound bass should be phenomenal. The, they've had a really cold winter, so the spawn has been pushed back, you know, looking in, at weights from tournaments and tournament fishing reports. I don't think it's happened, and I, my fingers are crossed that it's going to happen while we're there, um, and it's going to be that first big push of, you know, fish that's usually when they're when they're the most aggressive and easiest to catch so i I really can't wait you know looking at the rest of the season i think uh it's going to get more difficult for me as an angler uh after watch or after uh lake of the ozarks you know we kind of get out of that spawn pre-spawn time start transitioning into summer as we go to watts bar and then up to cayuga and malax two lakes that i've never been to so you know, it's just a lot of unknowns, but I'm sitting great in the points. Hopefully, we can have another top 10 at Lake of the Ozarks and maybe maybe shake up that AOI leaderboard and give myself a shot with three tournaments to go. There you go. And now, uh, the last three on that schedule, Watts Bar and uh, Cayuga and uh, going, going to Mille Lacs, going north, a uh, lot of smallies on all of those, aren't there? Yeah, yeah, there sure are. I, do, I don't expect smallmouth to play so much on Watts Bar. Just in the summertime, they tend to kind of disappear everywhere on the Tennessee River. Mm-hmm. Um, they tend to really play early spring, you know, that really January through like April. And then they kind of, there will be some big ones caught randomly, but I don't expect like guys to specifically target smallmouth. Um, but then at Cayuga, it's, it's kind of weird. It's the one northern fishery where the smallmouth tend to act like a southern smallmouth. They, they tend to, play really big in the spawn and the pre-spawn and maybe just post-spawn but when you get into midsummer, that place is so deep and so clear they just kind of get out and chase bait in the abyss and get get difficult to locate and catch so i expect that one to be a largemouth dominated event but then we go to malax and all day every time malax is going to be dominated with big old four and five pound smallmouth so um 
I can't wait. It's gonna it's gonna be a great end of the season. Um, I'm just praying that the wind will stop blowing. I know it's been <laughs> doing that all over the country, uh, here included. So I'm hoping you know we've got our all those big fronts and wind gusts got it out early season and we get blessed with a with a nice calm end of the season because I know those those bigger bodies of water when you get up on Cayuga and especially in Mille Lacs can get nasty. Yeah, they get nasty, they get dangerous, and you hate to lose days because of it. And uh, uh, right. it's it's kind of a, a funny thing, you know. Uh, Twenty years ago, I'm I'm 63 years old, and and I didn't even start bass fishing until I was 30. So, uh, but at that time, when even when I started in the early 90s, um, not many guys used a spinning rod. And now, if you're not uh, using both and good at both, you're not going to compete at the top levels. Yeah, you know, I, it's one of the one of the best questions i get all the time is like how do i make myself a better angler and in the south a lot of us we grew up power fishing big line big baits and i'm like if you want to become a better tournament angler become a master of a spinning rod and it's just with the with the amount of pressure that fish are seeing these days because the sport is growing really really fast and tournaments are getting bigger and everything um you've got to be able to downsize and and adapt and and match what these fish want to want to want to eat and just be finessy with it um, so it's been amazing to see the number of really big fish get caught, not only up north, but even here in the south, um, where the best young anglers that I know here in central Texas, they're the best because they're so dang good with a spinning rod. And, um, you know, you look at guys like, I mean, Justin Lucas, I mean, he's made his whole career on a spinning rod, you know, and, and, uh, he catches a lot of big fish. So it's, it's, you got to you got to be able to do both, but that spinning rod has kind of become the king of tournament fishing. No, and I and I I believe that too, and it's because of the the pressure and and the finesse techniques, and on high pressure days or even not high pressure days, sometimes it's the right tool for the job. And and um, I'm yeah. I'm you know glad you said that because there's lots of uh, young anglers, uh, high school and collegiate kids that listen to our program, and I think that's great advice for them to go forward and. Uh, you know, always uh, enjoy having you on the program and uh, real happy for your win at Heavy Hitters and look forward to uh, seeing what you do the rest of the season. Thanks for being on. Thank you so much for having me. Y'all have a great day. Oh, you too. That was Alton Jones Jr. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoors company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta. We're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner Dave Kranz is remote. He won't be joining us today, but somebody will be joining us who is absolutely an incredible fisherman. He is on a hot streak, one of the best in the business at a very young age. Uh, I don't think this guy gets the publicity that he deserves because they don't come much better, and there certainly aren't many nicer guys on tour than the one and only Ot Defoe. Hey, Ot, how are you? I'm doing great, Steve. How are you doing? 
I am doing okay. Uh, obviously, the, the thing we w- most want to talk about is uh, your big win in the heavy hitters competition at Major League Fishing down at Lake Palestine in Texas. Uh, first of all, explain to the people, how do you qualify for heavy hitters? So to qualify for heavy hitters, you took all of our events last year, all of our past pro tour events, and you would combine your single largest fish from each stage. And then the top, I think it ended up being 32, is what was what ended up single largest fish throughout every single stage, give you a set total of seven fish. Those were the top guys who qualified into heavy hitters. And, and, and amazingly, the uh, the 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 purse money for heavy hitters is a hundred thousand for first prize, like most of the Bass Pro Tour events are. But they mm-hmm. also have a hundred thousand uh, dollar uh, championship day prize for the largest fish caught, and, and a fifty thousand dollar prize up until then. And uh, you won the hundred thousand dollars first place prize in heavy hitters, and uh, young Elton Jones Jr. Won one hundred fifty thousand dollars. He won the fifty thousand dollar <laughs> prize in the hundred. Hey, some that does not compute right. Does that make you mad or? <laughs> it it definitely is a is a unique thing with this event. You know, that's what I told him afterwards, and I've told other people. I won the tournament. He won the money. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the way this would win. And, and something else with this one. You know, on our group A and group D on our qualifying rounds. On each of those groups, the single biggest fish was a twenty-five thousand dollar pot. So you thousand just catching, you know, the single biggest fish in each uh, each round going through. So yeah, but he he actually got it in the knockout round as well as the championship round. So it, it, plus his plus his money for I think he finished fifth place. Yeah, know, so fifth, like fifth place. He he got the big fish two days and finishes in fifth place. If I had him out, I'd say. Elton, what the heck's the matter with you? How'd you only end up in fifth place? What's wrong? And uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure that uh, he'd say, I, "I don't really care what you think. I got the I got 165,000 dollars in my bank account. Yeah. I'm good with that." No, that is, that is a weird thing, and that's one of the little things that happens in in major league fishing uh, with the rules. Uh, the the rules change, the locations change. It's not as consistent. As you may have been used to fishing in a, in a previous life, uh, I've always liked. Uh, and, and, go ahead. Go ahead, that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, see, I, I was just going to say, yeah, it definitely is different. You know, we we have a have a lot of moving parts with our events, and and some events, you know, we move bodies of water throughout the tournament. You know, we may fish the elimination rounds on one body, the knockout round on another, and then the championship round somewhere else. So. You know that's a that's a neat thing to do with to having smaller fields. You know, there's only in a Bass Pro Tour event with 80 anglers, there's only 40 on the water at any one point in time. So we can fish a lot smaller bodies of water than places that have you know 100 150 boat fields in them. And that's a place like Palestine's a prime example. It would not have been a good place to try to fish a 100 boat tournament, um, especially with our format. I like that. I, I really do. And, and that was a matter of fact, that was my next question I was going to ask you about. Uh, what was was uh, was those changes that, that they make? And they, they don't necessarily give you the, the longest amount of preparation time, and they certainly don't allow you to pre-fish. Uh, you may pre-fish two or three days at a, at, a, at a big lake that's pretty well known, and all of a sudden they're moving you to a smaller body of water that a lot of people that follow the sport but don't fish professionally say, man, I'd really like to fish there. And you you may not waste your time thinking about that because it's a lake that because of the size you're not going to be uh, you know you're not going to be scheduled to fish there. But all of a sudden, hey man, tomorrow you're here. Uh, what does that do to your mindset when uh, you know? I know you spend so much time thinking in advance about these tournaments, but how can you how can you do anything when you don't know where you're fishing? Yeah, and that's definitely a, a unique thing, and that's more so on the cups, you know. Like even even here at Heavy Hitters, we were able to get we, we same as a Bass Pro Tour. We got two days of practice um, for Lake Palestine, so you know we get a little bit of preparation time on the Bass Pro Tour and and like Heavy Hitters, but then on the cups, yeah, there's no practice time. It's just put the boat in the water and, and go. There's no you know no time to really prepare for it at all. And and I enjoyed that, you know. I I was. 
when we started the Bass Pro Tour, I was one that wanted wanted less practice instead of more. Um, you know, I, I I would still enjoy just a day of being able to. I don't care if you fish or not, but just one day of practice and kind of ride and look. But that's that's the thing with our events. You know, even our two days of practice. Even if you feel like you got on a really good pattern and it was a body of water where you could see most of it, it wasn't a, a really vast system. You know, we practice this like this next event we're about to go to at Lake the Ozarks, huge body of water, but we'll practice Thursday and Friday. The championship day isn't until the following Thursday. So much is going to change in a week, especially this time of the year. What you did in practice probably isn't going to be the way you catch them by the time you get to the knockout rep. Or certainly the championship round, you know. So you may find some areas you like better, but that's what that's what our format and the way our events are structured has has made me be a better angler. And I think most of the guys would would say that that it, it makes us it, it makes us a better angler in the sense that we adjust to changing conditions better because we know we're going to deal with it at some point in time throughout our tournaments, just because they are so long. And you know, you you'll have a day on, day off, and and then I have to kind of go back out and refigure out the fish again. That makes an awful lot of sense to me. And uh, you you being a young guy, and I don't want to be stereotypical, but the more people I talk to, they say the younger guys uh, seem to be a lot better using their electronics as a tool than the older guys. Uh, and I don't know if that's true or false, but, you know, I, you're, you're a younger guy, and uh, I'm considering that you are very adept at the use of your electronics. Has the use of electronics and the advances in that technology made it easier to go out and compete with less practice than before? In some ways, yeah. Um, and, and I do. I, I'd probably age-wise fall into that younger bracket, but I've been at it so long that I feel like I, I, I relate more to the to the older guys. Now, some of it I, I really, really embrace. Um, I've heard Hummingbird 360 on my boats since before it came out, truthfully, it's the bow mount version. Um, I, I've had it on my boat for a long time. You could take everything else off of my boat and just let me have my 360, and I would be okay with that. that I love that tool. It's very – it works well. I know how to use it well. It works well with the way I fish, and, uh, I, and I'm, I really, really like it. Um, but, you you know, the live sonar and that stuff, the side imaging I love, down imaging I love, like master mapping I love. But the, the live sonar, Mega Live, is, is a really good product. And, I, I mean, I have caught fish because of it. I've, I've caught fish that I've, you know, earned more money with possibly because of it. But I'm I am just not that in tune with it yet, you know, to where it, I, I don't like it, to be quite honest. I just don't like that style of fishing, you know. It's, it's very all-encompassing. It's like if you're, if you're fishing that way, that's all you can do is you have to stare at that screen. With 360, I can pay attention to it. I can look away from it. I can go back to what I'm doing. I can I can look at it again. I can kind of come and go as I please. If you're fishing live sonar, you are eyeballs to the screen, and you know that's what you have to do. So, and there's there's, I mean, there's a lot of money has been has been won with it, uh, you know. But I think like a lot of things, it's gonna it's gonna have its times where it's the way to go and there's going to have many times you need to just turn it off yeah yeah and and that that said uh that said what amazes me is uh, there are so many guys who do not have a so a, a single sonar sponsor they're running two or three brands on their boat at the same time you're talking about being focused on the screen now in your head you got to be figuring out what screen you're going to be focused on to start out with <laughs> how do you do that yeah, yeah, definitely, and that's and that's kind of I'm dealing with that. That's I've got three Hummingbird Helix 12s on the front, and uh, the one's got mapping and 2D sonar. Uh, the, the other one has strictly 360, and the other has strictly live, and and it is a lot of information to try to process. <laughs> when I, the first time I interview somebody and they say, "Well, I made a mistake. I was looking at the wrong screen." I think I'm going to just shake my head and chuck it. Uh, I'm 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 done when it comes when it comes down to that. I'm watching the wrong screen. Hey, do you, do you ever have you ever uh, have you ever used a camera in pre-fishing? Uh, I, I couldn't make that up. Have you ever have you ever used a camera uh, in in yeah. pre-fishing? Yes, an underwater camera. I absolutely have. Yeah, and that's a 
I was actually just working with one trying to rig up a, a different different system to use one on this on this next term. Yeah, I, I have, and and uh, especially for species identification, you know, I mean that's something that uh, that that you just can't get through your sonar. You can you can look and try to make an educated guess with how those fish are set up, you know, whether it's in a brush pile or whatever, and how they're relating to the bottom and different things, but. Um, without actually seeing them sometimes if you can't get one to buy you just don't know for sure what they are and uh, yeah I, I do carry a carry a camera in the boat and uh truthfully I wish I would have had one at Palestine just because those fish on the beds are so hard to see but uh but yeah I do I do have an aqua view yeah I've got a few different ones I've got some I've got a big one I've got a small one uh, but yeah that, that it's a it's another tool to use in uh, in different situations are you are you a big uh, fan of sight fishing? I enjoy sight fishing. Uh, you know that was that was how I caught the bulk of my fish this last event at, at Palestine. I, I enjoy it, and uh, and maybe even more so now than I used to, just because of the fact that we're able to, to catch that fish, we weigh it, and we let it go. You know, so it, we're, we're really low impact on that on the fishery, and I, and and I'm not bashing. Catching them, putting them in the live well in a in a tournament when it's spawning season. Don't don't take it that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did it. Number one, I did it for years, and number two, the fisheries that I did it on aren't any worse or any better than they were when when I was there. You know, participating in that. So let's don't take it that way um, because there are so many fish. That number one, you'll never catch. Number two, you'll never see. When right, right. Um, Your the number of fish that we catch off of the bed is. So so minuscule compared to how many are actually spawning. So I, I don't think that we'll ever hurt a fishery, um, or you know, it, it would be hard to. I should say I don't say I ain't gonna say you can't at all, but it would be hard to um, with uh, with sight fishing. But I do I enjoy it. I enjoy that. I enjoy watching them. You know, getting them getting them pestered up and fired up, and then uh, you know just getting that reaction out of them. It's a it is a fun way to catch them. Whose sunglasses are you using? I wear Costa. Coastal Del Mar sunglasses, usually the reefed in frame, and then um, and then the um, the gray silver mirror is my is my favorite color. I just like the tint. Like a lot of guys want to wear green uh, green mirror with a copper lens or amber lens or something. I, I just like the gray tint with the silver mirror is my go to. If it's if it's cloudy now, I'll go to the sunrise, which is like a yellow. Right, right. Um, but, but but just a normal sunny day, that gray silver is my go to. Oh, it makes makes sense to me. I don't know how anybody can fish without sunglasses, without without polarized okay. sunglasses on. That's uh, you, you might might as well uh, you know have something the matter with your reel uh, if you're going to go out yeah. there fishing handicapped. Uh, hey, let, let, let me take yeah. a, let, let me take a quick break. Uh, I want to talk to you about some of your sponsors. We'll play a couple of commercials, and we come back. We'll talk more with At Defoe. Just won a huge tournament, heavy hitters, Major League Fishing. Uh, down at Lake Palestine in Texas, uh, did, a, did a great job, as he always does. We're going to be right back. I'm Steve Sarley. This is We Fish ASA, and we will be back with At Defoe in a minute. For most anglers, the unexpected is expected. But what you can do is take matters into the seat of your, well, shorts. Meet Aftco's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best in Category for Technical Clothing. Built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry dock for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuables safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from Aftco. Learn more at aftco.com overboard. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. 
distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth, St. Croix. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley. My guest is the one and only Ot Defoe, one of the nicest young men on tour. Ot, you have done an awful lot in your professional career in a short amount of time. And you said you, you consider yourself one of the, a young guy, but getting to be one of the older guys because you've been doing this for a while. You have been doing this for quite a long while and you've built uh, you've built an incredible resume uh, and, and uh, uh, a body of work that you have done. I believe you are, uh, are you 36 now? Yeah, that's correct, yep, 36. 36 years old, a very young 36, and a uh, wife, three young children. And uh, you fished the uh, Bassmaster Elites. Uh, you, you did well. Uh, I don't think anybody could say anything negative about your performance. You were absolutely remarkable. You know, I, I probably talked to you the first time, uh, I'm going to guess over 10 years ago, and you were really making a name for yourself. And you, you look at your career, you've won a Bassmaster Classic. In, in BASS, you were in the top 20 in half the tournaments you fished in. Think about that. That is really remarkable, folks. That's top 20. That's cash and checks right and left. Uh, you're in the money 79% of the time that you fished. Uh, you know, if they had legalized gambling on professional fishing, uh, anybody would do well to have put their money on at default because that's almost a guaranteed <laughs> payday. You had 50 top 10s. You've won so many major tournaments. $2.7 million in earnings at the age of 36. Uh, it's unbelievable to think of where you're going. At your age, with almost $3 million in earnings, that can be scary. There are not that many people who have won $3 million in this sport, and you are going to break that mark in a short amount of time. Uh, Do you ever think you'd win $3 million fishing? <laughs> no, I'm... I'm don't and uh yeah I, I never i never would have thought that uh, it, it really is it really is crazy to look at it i mean god's been he's he's blessed my career tenfold i mean just way more than i would have ever ever thought or dreamed of you know to be quite honest i, I just that, that's just something that i, I kind of have to pinch myself you know on a on a frequent occasion that i'm getting to do something that i love to do so much and get to call it a job and uh you know, provide a provide a living for my family. That's it's it really is mind blowing to think that it's it's been that much, and and it, it does. It feels like it's been. I mean, it's been a good many years. You know, the first professional event I fished was in two thousand six with some FLW series, and and two thousand seven started on the FLW tour. So, um, you know, it's what is that fifteen years? You know, at this point, uh, fifteen or sixteen seasons at, at this point in time. So, I, yeah, I've definitely have been have been at it a while just to be a be 36 but um yeah the the, the consistency part of that of, of always catching it you know being in a being in a check a, a lot that was that come from a necessity early on because i didn't didn't have you know a, a big financial backing or anything a, a nest egg to go get started with and you know a couple hundred thousand in the bank to go start trying to play with and, and make a you know make a name for myself it, it came you know putting deposits on on credit cards and hoping to win enough in the next tournament to, uh, you know, to make sure that we could pay that bill. So it, it, it was very important early on. It was like, if I, if I could find a way to know I was going to get a check, that's the way I was going to fish. I can't imagine the pressure that you put on yourself to do this. And, you know, you, you talk to the average guy listening to the show and they're, Oh, you know, he's got sponsors that take care of that. Uh, you know what? Back in the beginning, you got nothing. You're taking care of that yourself. And, uh, uh, you know, we've talked to uh, uh, one of my favorite stories was uh, the legendary Wu Daves told us that uh, early in his career, he sold his shotgun to pay an entry fee. And if he didn't 
cash a check. He wasn't eating because he needed that shotgun to go out and get some food to put on the table. So he, he was in huge trouble. And I said, mm-hmm. boy, that, that is, that you, you must have some confidence in yourself as a fisherman when you're fishing under that kind of pressure that you made up for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, I don't, thankfully never got to that point. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, you, you definitely, you know, you gotta, you gotta believe in yourself and, and have a good support system. You know, that's something that I certainly always had, and, and you know, still have. My wife and, and kids have always been majorly supportive. And you know, early on, it was just, it was just Jenny and I, and, and we had Abby. Uh, the first year that uh, I was fishing FLW tour was the year that our oldest daughter was born. So, um, yeah, that, that was, you know, that was a pretty important year to, to make sure that we did okay because once once jenny found out she was pregnant she didn't um she couldn't continue to work where she was working at so right um, it, it was yeah i mean i still had a job when i was home and and work paid the bills and fishing paid for fishing to start off with was kind of all that it all that it covered you know when i came home i still worked a 40 or 50 hour a week job and uh, it would take off on friday or saturday head to the next tournament and you know, hope to hope to get a check to pay for it. Unbelievable! Hey, man, uh, I said I said you're one of the nicest guys on the tour, one of the nicest guys in the business. I truly believe that, and I also believe that uh, you have the respect of your peers. Uh, all, all the guys that uh, that fish against you, you know, we talk throw names around in, in, in private, and I've never had anybody say a bad word about Ot Defoe. Is that important to you? It's very important to me, you know. I mean, that's having the respect of your peers is is something that is can be easy to lose um, and really hard to gain back. And you know, and it goes on and off the water. You know, not when we're on the playing field together, the way we treat each other is really, really important. Um, and and uh, I can remember, you know, one of the first to my first year, I think it would have been my that All Star event down in Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, yeah, I was there. It was a small field. It was only like 12 of us. It was Skeet and Mike Iaconelli and Kevin Van Dam, Aaron Martins, you know, guys that I'd looked up to forever. And each of them, you know, just because we were in a smaller group, Gerald Swindle was in that group too. Um, you know, that they had uh, – we just were able to have conversations together at that point just because it was a smaller field. And, and you know, Kevin and Skeet, that they were like, you know, I – they, they kind of made a point to go out of the way to be like, you know, you, it looks like you do this the right way, you know, to be a new guy. I was a rookie yeah. that year. They were like, man, we, we appreciate you fishing the way you fish. You know, you do your own thing. You're not a, you don't seem to be hole jumping and cutting people off and, you know, anything like that. And, and that, that, you know, that meant a lot to me. Um, and that's, it is, it is something that's easily lost and hard to earn. And, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, that's treating people right. And if you do that, you're gonna you're gonna return, get that return in the end. Good, good, good explanation and and a good story. It, it really uh, obviously means a lot to you, and uh, I like the way you told the people about that. Hey, uh, you know you've got the respect of your peers. We got to get you the respect of that bass fan, which is the number one fishing site in in the world of bass fishing. Uh, they've got you ranked number three in the world, which I, I think is fantastic that you're number three. I just don't understand their love affair with that Wheeler kid from uh, your state of Tennessee. <laughs> no, number one, the guy's not really from Tennessee. He's from Indiana. He makes a short jump, yeah. and now he's telling everybody he's from Tennessee. Come on, Jacob, get off of that thing. You're, you're, an, Indi- <laughs> you're an Indiana guy. Uh, and the Indiana guy shouldn't be ranked number one in the world in bass fishing. Get, get out of the way. Leave some room for Ot Defoe, for Pete's sake. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a... You know, if you if you think of where, where Jacob was born and raised, uh, for him to be able to catch bass close to where he lived, it took a lot of talent uh, and a lot of, a lot of hard work. So, um, it, it, you know, if he was able to catch bass there in Indiana, he probably is a pretty good fisherman. So, um, yeah, he does call call Tennessee home now. Lives down there close to Chickamauga, but um, yeah, he's uh, I, anytime I get to beat uh, any any of the few occasions I beat Jacob. It really makes my kids proud. <laughs> you, yeah, I can imagine. You've got the hey, Jacob, go 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 fish tournaments in Indiana for a while. Let's see how you do. Okay, right. let's let's That's let's, right. let's do right. that. Uh, you know, Tennessee has uh, pumped out some incredibly good bass fishermen, as good as any other state. Uh, I know Alabama's tough, but that's because so many people are moving to Gunnersville. It seems like that's the the fashion of the day is to move to the Gunnersville area. But uh, you know. I think Tennessee is about as good as it gets as far as turning out fishermen. 
And as far as lakes go, there's nothing better right now than Texas. And, and you're proof of that because, you know, it's almost like a standing joke that if the tour is going to Texas, at Defoe is going to be on the top of the list. Yeah, Tennessee, I, I, I mean, that's my home. I was born and raised here and uh, no place I would rather be. We've got a lot of great fisheries and, and very diverse fisheries. But, you know, the, I, I do enjoy going to Texas, and uh, it's been really good to me the last the last few years especially. Uh, you know, it's I, I think it's like four out of the last seven that we've had there that I, I've been able to win, which is just mind-blowing to me. Um, you know, but uh, – I don't know. Texas has always been a good, pretty good state to me. So, like, we go down there, and I at least always have a good finish. And um, you know, just been blessed to have some have some wins down there recently. But the the great thing with Texas and and a lot of other states, I think Tennessee has Tennessee's kind of took notice of it some, hopefully, and uh, and seems to be doing things. You know, kind of trying to mimic. But Texas Parks and Wildlife, they do more for their fisheries. I feel like than almost any other state, maybe a lot of states combined, you know, a lot of them mm-hmm. have, you mentioned Alabama having, having a lot of great bass anglers and Georgia does too. And, um, Tennessee certainly does, but you know, Texas, they, they do so much with their share locker programs and just, you know, stockings that they do. And, and they really do a great job of, of making bass fishing a, a priority, you know, something that, um, Tennessee has always put a lot of effort into is there, is there striper, you know, fisheries and, and stuff like that. We've got a couple here in East Tennessee that are, you know, great striper fisheries that are, in, and those fish are fun to catch by all means. But, um, you know, I, I think that what Texas has, has saw and done and, and really capitalized on is, you know, making trophy bass destinations. And, I mean, we can all think of Lake Fork and, you know, the stories behind it and stuff. But making a lot of, you know, all the places in Texas just have really, really good bass fishing. And then, you know, as a state, it probably hosts as many national tournaments as any other state. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, just due to the, you know, due to the fact of how many really great fisheries it has, you know, so they're able to, to draw in a lot of tourism dollars because of that. Have and you, it's because of the, the efforts they put into the fisheries. Have you fished that OH Ivy? I have not fished OH Ivy. No, oh I definitely God. would like to. I, I am so, I, I freak out when I look at social media. I see the pictures of those 10 pluses coming out of there. Uh, and and yeah. it's, it's it's not the biggest lake in the world. But it's going. I, I think everybody that, that fishes wants to head down there. And, and that's kind of like what it was with Fork 10 years ago. You know, oh, man, I, I got to take a vacation. I'm going to Lake Fork for a week. People who never thought of going to Texas in their life want to go to Lake Fork, Fork Fishing. Now people are going to OHIV to do the same. It's 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 pretty cool what they're mm-hmm. doing. It really is. It, it really is. And and, and it, it's funny because you'll see different lakes. You know that fishing is, is so is, you know it cycles a lot. And uh, you know like Fork at, at one point in time when it had hydrilla and, and that kind of stuff, and it was in a in a major boom there in the nineties or early two thousands, whenever that was, and and. Um, you know, I don't know that Ivy has grass in it, but for whatever reason, it's just on a major upswing right now with number of, of really big fish that's got in it. And that's, you'll see that, you know, this one will pop up and it'll be really hot for a while. And this one over here will be really hot for a while. And, you know, they kind of move around and, and I'm sure pressure affects them some, you know, as they get hit really hard with a lot of places. But great thing with Texas, they have, they got a lot of water to work with, so they can kind of, you know, let this one peak and this one over here will be building. This one will fall off a little bit. This one over here will start to peak, and you know, they can kind of, kind of shuffle it around. Well, so you will catch bass. You will catch big bass wherever you go because you are at Defoe, master fisherman, truly, truly nice guy, great family man, a, a, a good Christian. Uh, just you got everything going for you. Two point seven million dollars in winnings so far, and only going to get bigger and bigger. I just want to thank you for being with us. Appreciate everything you do for us and everything you do for the sport. Go out there and finish up with a great end of the season. And uh, hopefully we'll catch up with you again real soon. At the foe. That sounds great. Excellent. At the foe. Thank you very much. You're quite welcome. Talk to you soon, my friend. Okay, thank you. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best iron fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guest, special guest, Baby Max, Maximus Nearman. Thanks for being on our show to make your first audio appearance on a nationwide basis. 
I'm sure you will be doing this more often as you grow into the fine human being you are going to become. Uh, we also spoke with Dan Johnson from St. Croix. Major League Fishing's Heavy Hitters Tournament gave us two guests today. Elton Jones Jr., a wonderful fisherman who is just doing really well. 2022 is a big year for him. And then Ad Defoe, he's ready to crack the $3 million mark. There aren't a lot of guys who have done that, but Ad Defoe certainly deserves it. He fishes hard, he works hard. He's a good human being, a good Christian, and a great guy. I'd like to thank our sponsors, St. Croix, the best rods on earth, Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. They do. Daiwa Reels. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week, available 24-7 wherever you get your podcast. Don't forget our website, wefishasa.com. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week now. Let's go fishing! I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.